What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Course Record. I am your host, Tyler C., and we are very excited to have you join us again today. On The Course Record, we have fun conversations with the next wave of elite golfers to uncover how they got to where they are today and what it takes to succeed at the highest levels. We take a behind-the-scenes look of what goes into their process of consistently improving and putting together great rounds. We want to help you learn from others so you can take your game to the next level. If you are a first-time listener, we recommend you check out our website, thecoursrecord.com, or our social media pages to get a better understanding of who we are and what we do. Our guest today is Zach Smith, former UC Santa Barbara golfer turned pro who now has status on the McKinsey Tour, also known as the PGA Tour Canada. Zach and I were teammates for four years at UCSB, where I was able to learn so much from him and watch him grow into the golfer that he is today. Zach really has so many great ideas and opinions on the game of golf, and I believe you will be able to learn a lot from today's episode. When we recorded this episode, Zach was just coming off a win at the Scottsdale Arizona Open in mid-May, shooting rounds of 63, 67, 62 to win by three, beating a field with numerous former and current PGA Tour players, including being in the final pairing with current PGA Tour player Joel Damon. The next week, a couple of our former teammates and I went to visit him for Memorial Day weekend to hang out and play some golf. And that weekend, Zach shot the course record 62 at Sunridge Canyon just outside of Scottsdale. The following week, I caddied for Zach at the Southern Dunes Classic, an outlaw tour event where he shot 68, 69, 66 to finish second. In this episode, Zach and I talk about his life journey and his quest to the PGA Tour. He goes into detail about his experiences on the big stage, what he has learned from playing with current and former PGA Tour players, and what lies ahead for him. We had a lot of fun recording this episode, and we hope you are able to learn something new today. Please enjoy. All right, welcome in everybody. We got our special guest here, Zach Smith. We are at his home here in Mesa, Arizona. I was actually able to caddy for Zach this week at the Outlaw Tour event and uh, very thankful to have him on. Welcome in, Zach. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go back to the beginning with you. You grew up playing hockey. Uh, tell us how you got into golf. Yeah, I mean, uh, growing up, you know, I, I played hockey for 15 years. Uh, always thought of myself as a hockey player. Um, you know, dad got me into golf. It was something I just did over summer you know, to, to kill some time until the next hockey season. Um, yeah, I mean, hockey was part of my life all the way through the end of high school, really. Um, you know, it, was, it wasn't until about my sophomore year of high school where I really had to decide, you know, hey, am I going to be a hockey player or a golfer? And it, I got to the point in both playing a high level to where, um, you know, one took up too much time taking away from the other. And and I had to decide on one, and, and my dad and brother both went the hockey route. And being, being the shorter guy that I am in the hockey world, I decided to go with golf where height doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, just I, I continued to play, you know, competitive hockey through the end of high school. But, you know, we told my coach, like, hey, like, you know, I'm trying to pursue college golf. I'm going to play in a bunch of these national tournaments, AJGAs, NCGAs, uh, Northern California Golf Association tournaments, um, and that I'd miss some hockey weekends and things like that. Um, and he was understanding, and and then we went from there. 
Yeah. And I know that a lot of hockey players actually are good golfers. You know, do you think there's any specific correlation within the shot and hockey to the golf swing that helped you as a golfer? I think so. Funny enough, I'm a lefty hockey player, righty golfer. So it's a little different, which might have worked out well. Just the slap shot doesn't interfere with the golf swing. Right. So I was able to kind of keep those separate. Um, But yeah, generally a lot of hockey players are good golfers. Can't tell you exactly why, but (laughs) yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So in high school, dealing with both sports, you had a major breakthrough event for you and your senior year um, at the AJGA at Heatherfar, which is the biggest open AJGA event. Um, you're in the final round with KK Limbusat, who was committed to Cal at the time. Gordon Neal was committed to Florida at the time. So big pairing. Um, you had the lead through eight holes. How did that event affect your confidence going into college golf? Yeah. When I when I was when I saw I was paired with those guys, I mean, you know, obviously seeing the big schools that they were committed to, you know, and at the time I was committed to UCSB, which, you know, and not exactly a powerhouse golf team um, at the time, uh, you know, that was a little intimidating, uh, especially my first time on a final group in a national stage, you know, um, yeah, it was it was cool. Um, you know, I, I ended up uh, starting out okay. I remember I had the lead through eight holes and saw I had the lead and then, you know, got a little nervous and, you know, lost a little bit and um, ended up finishing like 10th or 15th, something like that. Um, but it was cool. You know, it was cool to see that I could get a lead, you know, against some of the bigger players and, you know, especially bigger players in California. Um, you know, that was, that was cool. And that was my, at the time of, of that event, that was my lowest competitive round of 66. So that was big, you know, seeing I could do it in a big event. That was, you know, definitely the biggest tournament I'd played up in up to that point. Um, and that was, you know, I was pretty nervous. And then, you know, come the back nine and when I was kind of out of it, you know, just was what it was. But, you know, it was definitely something to build on going forward. So you finished well in that event going into your freshman year. You're in freshman of the year honors in the Big West. Um, what was that like? Another big milestone for you, which then led you into, you know, three straight years, the first team all Big West. Yeah, as a freshman coming in, I actually missed the first day of college. So I never had a first day because our first event uh, was the first weekend. Um, so I remember just moving in, you know, getting to meet everybody on the floor and everything. And then we were gone right away, um, you know, that first weekend. And so, you know, jumping into it, I actually finished fifth in my first event at Southern Dunes, where we just played this week. Um, and you know, that was something where right away, I didn't even have time to think about, you know, how do I stack up or, or anything like that? You know, I felt like I was able to just come in and I, I had success, you know, finishing fifth right away. Um, and you know, from there, I didn't even think twice about doubting myself, you know, am I good enough or any of that? Um, you know, it was cool because my brother uh, just transferred into UCSB and this was his, his first college event as well. Hey, nice. um, and, you know, funny enough, first round, he shoots 69, I shoot 71, we're the two low. Um, <laughs> On the team for the tournament? For the team, for the oh, team. Okay, okay. Yeah, nice, nice. yeah, not quite for the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that was cool because that helped, you know, it's somebody who I know and and helped ease me in. And it's his first time, too, uh, with college. And so I felt like, you know, having that success right away, 
you know, I was able to build off that and I knew I was, you know, in the spot I needed to be. Yeah, for sure. And I felt like you just kept getting progressively better every year, which was cool to see. And I know one big moment for you in your college golf career was wasn't even a playing experience, but you got to caddy for some Corn Ferry Tour players at the time web.com. But at the Ellie May Classic up at TPC Stonebray, um, tell us what that experience was like and what did that mean for you and your career and how did you take that knowledge and apply it to your game? Yeah, so being from the Bay Area, uh, that was a local event. Um, and you know, a lot of these corn fairy events, guys come in without caddies, so they need a local caddy. And, you know, they had reached out to me, said that they needed some, you know, I said I was a college golfer, so they made sure that I got a player, um, you know, and I thought that was a great experience to be inside the ropes. That was my first time ever really, you know, having any impact in the pro golf world or, or, or you know, really in the golf world in general, um, and that was something where I was able to see how does a guy go through a week? Um, you know, how does he prepare in the practice round? Uh, you know, and even how does he think through a shot? Um, you know, it was all stuff where, you know, it was also different being inside the ropes, having eyes on me. You know, I was, I was nervous and I wasn't even playing, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, it was cool to be inside the ropes. And, and I was, you know, chatting with other guys. Might not have been good caddy etiquette. But I was talking with other guys that, you know, we were paired with and, you know, that that helped settle me down and find out that, hey, they're just college golfers who are just older now, you know. Um, and it was cool because at the beginning of the week, uh, you know, my player, Ryan Yip, who I was with the first year, um, you know, I asked him in the practice on like, hey, you know, how do you want me to go through this? You know, I'm I'm here for you. Just tell me what you need. And and he started the week just saying, you know, just give me the number to the pin and the front edge of the green. And, you know, he made the cut. And by the final round, I was telling him the yardages. I was telling him what shot shape to hit, where to hit it, and even sometimes what club to hit. And, you know, that it showed me that, you know, hey, like I I know what I'm doing. I mean, if a pro whose livelihood depends on it is able to use me and and he thought that I was helpful, you know, it, it definitely said that, hey, like, I you know, I know how to play. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And just to know at that young of an age that you're already almost right there. And then, you know, right after that, you qualified for two USAMs in a row, first at uh, Bel Air and Riviera and then at Pebble Beach. Um, you know, what was it like to play along the best players in back to back years? And how did that help you in your game? Yeah, that first USAM uh, 2017 at Riviera, uh, I was definitely nervous. Um, you know, it was the first USGA event I ever qualified for, you know, didn't go very well. Uh, but it was a learning experience, you know, which, which led me into the next year. I qualified again the following year in the qualifying shot, 72, 64, made it to a playoff and then went birdie birdie in the playoff to make it. Dang. That was my first real, you know, test for a big event. And that was big, you know, not, not even necessarily getting to the USAM, but just pulling it off, you know, when I had to, um, you know, and then growing up in the Bay area there, they had lots of tournaments out at Pebble and spy, um, you know, more at spyglass. So I felt comfortable out there knowing the course. Um, and then, you know, the second day of stroke play was at Pebble beach and I started on 10 and I'm going through my normal routine, you know, everything, you know, up at the tee, getting, you know, driver ready, whatever. 
And then all of a sudden my caddy says, hey, you know, look back. I turn around and staring me right in the eyes is Jack Nicholas, just watching every move I make. <laughs> Safe to say I was pretty nervous. <laughs> I couldn't get him out of my head. And I'm sitting there at 10 at Pebble, water right, looks huge. You know, and I said, all right, Zach, just make contact, keep the ball in play. And uh, ended up hitting a pull draw into the left rough, kept it on land. There it was a win. Yeah, that's all you're looking <laughs> Little for. Little victories. <laughs> yeah. So after your two USAMs, you were able to go into your senior year and make it to nationals as an individual. What was that like to finally, last stage of your college career, make it all the way, the final goal? and play along the best players. And how did that you know, prepare you for your journey into pro golf right after? Yeah, so I think um, you know, the playing in those two USAMs, hitting in front of Jack, um, you know, all those definitely made me nervous. And, and it was you know, the first like, big stage that I was actually playing on. Um, and you know, I felt like that actually helped me as an indie. Uh, when I, I qualified as an individual for regionals um, up in Pullman, Washington, um, and that, you know, I played so well that week in windy conditions, uh, to, and I finished second, uh, to be able to move on to nationals and playing so well that week against top teams, Oklahoma, you know, etc. coach actually told me, he said, the one mistake I made all week was that I put my bag down on the back of the green when I was the first to putt. Instead of just putting my bag down next to my ball and putting first, meaning I played great golf the entire week. Um, and that was where, and that, you know, him saying that to me, saying I played basically flawless golf, you know, it said, hey, I, you know, I can compete with these guys. And going into nationals, I felt like I was in the right place. I felt like I earned that spot and that I, you know, was supposed to be there. Um, you know, and definitely having those previous USAMs, I, I felt more comfortable being out there. Uh, I missed the cut. Didn't go great, but, you know, get to that point, it gave me a lot of confidence, you know, in my last college tournament, you know, ter heading into pro golf uh, in the summer. Yeah, and right into summer, you stayed an amateur, and you played two of, you know, the biggest amateur events during the summer. You started the Pacific Coast Am and then to the Western Am in back-to-back -back weeks then that following week so three weeks in a row that third week you start you played your first pro event played in the arizona open where you're actually able to get second place which was super cool uh not only to watch you do that but it was just like wow like he really is already there and it's you know you expect you to do great but already just right out of college um and a big paycheck obviously helps a bunch kind of nice uh, kind of <laughs> nice yeah um you had the overnight lead going into the final round. Uh, you ended up losing by one to Charlie Belgian, who is former PGA Tour player. What was that like, you know, going into that big of a tournament, first pro event with the lead and, you know, the process during that, knowing that you're competing with guys who have played on the PGA Tour? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, playing the Pac Coast initially, I think it kind of got me back in competitive mode. And then going to the Western Am, that was my first time ever playing in the Western Am. Um, you know, and that was something where I felt, you know, I almost felt more nervous for the Western Am than I did the Arizona Open. And, you know, I missed the cut, didn't have a great week. Uh, actually went and saw a coach up in uh, Cleveland area. 
Uh, we just kind of looked at a little something with my swing and then heading into the Arizona Open, you know, I already felt comfortable playing coming off of two weeks. That was, you know, the first time I'd ever played three weeks in a row. Um, and I, f- I felt very comfortable out playing, uh, you know, out here in Arizona at Superstition Mountain. Uh, fairly open golf course and coming off the week before at the Western Am, it was a tight tree line course. So I think, though, you know, having that experience of the Western Am helped me feel very comfortable in the first pro event. You know, it just felt like another week of golf. Um, and, you know, one of the other great things was I was in a position, you know, with the lead after 36 holes, and I actually got paired with the player who I was in host housing with the week before at the Western Am, Leon D'Souza. Oh, wow. So we were, you know, we stayed together all week, and then we happened to get paired up the final round. So it was somebody I already knew, somebody who I was comfortable being around, and was just with all week. Um, you know, and then seeing his success was like, hey, you know, we're pretty, you know, we're pretty good. You know, we're, we're in a good spot out here. And, you know, all day of that final round, I just, I was playing behind Charlie, and they had the um, standard bearers out there uh, with the scores. And I just remember seeing after each hole, you know, you could see the cart with that on there. And I just kept seeing birdie after birdie after birdie. And I was like, Hey, like he's, he's given me a welcome to pro golf here. And, you know, so I felt like I had to step up and, um, you know, made, I remember a nice Eagle on the second hole to start. Um, and that definitely helped me settle in and just let me play golf and forget about the tournament. Um, and ended up coming down to 18, I was one back, had, you know, 230 in, water left, carry over the bunker, tucked left pin, and I knew I had to get up and down for Eagle to tie him. Okay. And uh, hit a four iron just outright, just just through the green into the rough, and knew I had to chip in and left it about a foot or two short. Uh, was able to tap in. Yeah, I wanted the win, but I knew I won 10 grand for second. I was ecstatic. Yeah. It was a win in my book. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so cool. And, uh, you know, your next big event after the Arizona Open was you were able to qualify for the McKenzie Tour in San Antonio. Um, you know, tell us what that was like. You know, Q School is a big topic on everybody's mind trying to get into pro golf. And a lot of people don't really know what goes into Q School. And just give us a, a picture of that. Yeah, so in between the Arizona Open and uh, McKenzie Tour Q School, I attempted Corn Ferry Q School. Went into pre-qualifying, didn't have my best week, missed it by one. Uh, so, you know, it felt like a big loss there. I felt like, you know, there was no reason I shouldn't make it up pre-qualifying. Um, and that was something where, it, you know, I learned from it, learned how to prepare better. Um, you know, I was, all, I was nervous at pre-qual, uh, you know, first time playing what felt like for a career. Uh, and I think actually missing pre-qualifying was kind of a wake-up call. Um, like, hey, you know, everybody's everybody out here in the pro world is better than you think. And, you know, I, it was a few months between that prequal and Canadian Q School uh, to where I was able to change different things um, and work with different coaches and really learn how to become a pro. To where then, you know, I signed up for Q School and then you know, when they announced all the sites, I was assigned to the overflow site, which happened to be first, which was two weeks after they announced it. So I found out two weeks before that I was going to Q school. Wow. Um, you know, so that was something where I thought was a disadvantage. Um, 
But it was something where I had been preparing for this for so long that I actually, I kept my game up to where it actually ended up working out in my favor. But, you know, so, you know, when we got out to San Antonio, you know, I had heard in years past there were fog delays, all sorts of different weather issues. And so I kind of knew going in that it could be tough, a tough week. Um, And it ended up being the toughest conditions I've ever played in. Um, It was about 35 degrees with wind chill, blowing 40, raining the whole time. Jeez. Uh, final round was nice, uh, but it was windy up until then, and it was it was actually ridiculous that we were even playing, considering what was on the line. Yeah, you know, I thought it was everyone was complaining, and you know, I recognized, hey, a lot of guys don't think we should be out here. They want to quit. I, you know, I knew playing in Santa Barbara, playing in windy conditions, I've done it before, and I said, you know what, grind, stick your head down. And just push. And, you know, I ended up uh, shooting 74 in the third round in the, you know, the tough blowing, rainy conditions, cold conditions, uh, which moved me from like 36th or something up to 18th. Wow. Um, And then, you know, I knew final round I had to do something special. Um, And, you know, I I honestly kind of counted myself out. I said, you know what, let's just at least secure conditional status. Let's just go out and play, see what happens. Um, and ended up firing five under and uh, ended up finishing tied for eighth and got exempt for the first six starts for McKenzie. That's sick. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was really special to see that, you know, it seems like getting on any tour nowadays with the level of talent, the amount of talent out there, it almost seems kind of unachievable. You know, that just goes to show you, it doesn't matter about your background. It's, you know, that's the great thing about golf. Everybody starts at even par, Go play golf and low score wins. So, right. Um, and then next after that event, um, which is kind of now your big calling, everybody knows you for is the, you're the 2020 Scottsdale Arizona Open champion. Uh, congratulations on that as well. Um, which was really funny because because of coronavirus, no live sports going on, and then that's really the only sports event going on in the world. And you know you were 500 to one favorite. Guy, 10 PGA Tour players in the field. You came into the final round down three, and then you were paired, paired in the final group with Joel Damon, who is actually now 33rd on the FedEx Cup points list uh, on the PGA Tour, up-and-coming guy. Um, shot final round 62 to win by three. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. Um, you know, walk us through that round. I know you had a stretch of six birdies and eight holes between the holes of seven and 14. Um, walk us through what's going through your mind before that stretch during and after. Yeah. So to start the day, um, you know, when I saw the Joel Damon pairing, I knew it was on, you know, I was a little nervous, uh, you know, the night before I went to sleep with, you know, winning on my mind. I said, you know what, this is my tournament. I felt, you know, drawing from the Arizona open, having that experience competing against Charlie Belgian, you know, it was something where that. Uh, you know, I felt more comfortable than maybe I would have had I not played in that Arizona Open before. Um, yeah, I mean that that first. I didn't. I wouldn't say I got nervous until that first tee when I go up, meet Joel. You know, go through everything. Um, actually, start out with a birdie on the first hole. Very nervous. Was just hoping to make contact with the putter. Made the putt from about twenty feet. Um, we had a big weight on the second tee. Uh, kind of, you know, Joel asked me a couple questions and, you know, 
soon as he kind of started talking, um, you know, it, it definitely settled me down like, hey, he's just another guy. You know, it's so easy to hype him up just because you see him on TV, you know, a top 100 player in the world. Um, you know, that, that was something that definitely helped. And, um, you know, up until the ninth hole, I didn't even look at a leaderboard. Wow. Uh, so I was just playing, playing my own game, you know, just hitting the best shot I could on each shot. No, it's cliche, but it's true. Um, and, you know, at that point I saw I was tied with a few guys at 13 under. I was one back of the lead at 14. And then uh, birding the 10th hole was big, making about a 10-footer. You know, I, I felt like the big change, uh, the big momentum change in the tournament came on 12, 13, 14 uh, to where, you know, I hit it to five feet on 12, made the birdie putt. Uh, the other guy who was actually in the lead at the time, Carson Roberts, had about four feet, um, missed it. And then on the next hole, uh, I hit the long drive. I was able to see both guys hit their approach shots and see how they reacted and they ended up hitting it a little long and a little to the side, so I knew just play it, you know, just to the right of the pin, just give myself a putt. Um, both guys ended up, I think they both ended up bogeying, you know, it ended up being a two-shot swing because I made birdie. Uh, those guys, Carson bogeyed. Uh, I think Joel made par bogey. And at that point, I felt very comfortable with where I was at. I felt like I had the momentum. And then leading into 15, I said, just keep the ball in play. I knew I had a one or two shot lead at that point. Wasn't actually even sure, to be honest. I just kept my head down, just played. Um, made birdie there on 15 or 14. Um, and then, you know, from there I knew I had a two or three shot lead. And it was just a matter of just keeping the ball in play and, and finishing it out. I'm sure the nerves were crazy coming down the stretch. I know Joel said that after you made that final putt, he went to like fist pump you and he almost missed your hand because your hand was shaking so much. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, tell us about that feeling. You sink the final putt on the 18th win and I mean the process afterwards, all the cameras in your face microphones. Right. Um, so I, on 18 T I had a three shot lead four seventy hole. I just wanted to hit iron, keep it in play. I said, you know, too long, have to hit driver, hit driver in the fairway, hit a good one, um, ended up missing the green short, making it harder on myself to have to get up and down. Knew I had a few shots to play with. I said, let's just make five at worst, you know, and get out of here. Uh, chip it up to about two feet and uh, wasn't nervous until I stepped over the ball. And, you know, I always hover my putter before I putt. And as I lifted up my putter, my hands were shaking so much I, I said, just make contact with the ball here. I didn't even care if it went in. Just make contact. Get it close to the hole. Lag it up there. Uh, and actually happened to put it in. And then just kind of blacked out from there. You know, go over to Joel. Fist bump. Um, yeah, I was, I was pretty intimidated by all the cameras and all the media. Um, you know, that was my first time really having that kind of attention. And it's it was like a warm up into you know bigger events. That was the biggest field I'd played in up to that point, and you know there were no spectators allowed, so I didn't have the crowds. And you know they were live streaming, and I know that a lot of family and friends were betting on me. Um, so that was kind of the first like pressure I've had from from that standpoint. Um, it worked out well because I think this is something I can definitely build on going forward. 
um, to where, you know, maybe in the future with cameras around, you know, I'll feel very comfortable out there. Yeah. And just like being around that high level of talent, you know, all those good players around you, I know can have such a big impact. And I know you've been able to work with a lot of tour players, for example, your friend, Jen, um, I know you practice with him a lot and he's been a, a big help towards your game. What has it been like to have somebody at that level be right by your side and, and show you the ropes? Yeah, so uh, I actually met Jin Park um, through a mutual friend uh, when I moved out here to, uh, right before I moved out here to Phoenix, um, while we were still in school. I made a trip out here. Uh, he kind of just, you know, we talked about my goals of turning pro um, and all that. And, and you know, he kind of told me, you know, about halfway through the, halfway through uh, spring quarter um, that, you know, pro golf starts now. You know, it doesn't start when you graduate. It starts now. Um, and he kind of gave me some some things of, you know, how to be a pro and you know, how to practice like a pro. Um, you know, it's something where, we, you know, since I moved out here, we've been able to work a lot more. Not necessarily just swing stuff, but just, you know, mentality of, of how to approach certain rounds, um, you know, and, and yeah, just different practice drills, you know. And like I said, you know, he... He preaches being good at basic shots. You know, it, it's something where, you know, if you can always get a chip where you have 20 feet of green to work with, if you can always get that up and down, you know, that's a momentum chip. You know, let's say you got a good round going, you hit a par five, you're right up close in two. You know, it's something where, you know, you feel like you have an easy chip and you you don't get up and down. It, it feels like you threw away shots. And I, I think up until that point of, of you know, really – having Jin help me, I didn't think there was a such thing as momentum in golf, um, or things like that. And, you know, I was thought of each shot independently. Um, but you know, now having been through a few different tournaments, I see that there are putts that you make, keeps the momentum going, keeps your confidence up. Um, and that's something that Jin really opened my eyes to. Yeah. And I'm really thankful to have had the experience to caddy for you this week at the outlaw tour event where we were able to talk a lot about momentum and, you know, coming off that win, going into this week, you got second, you, you, you lost by one, which was too bad, but second place right after, you know, how do you take this momentum now of first, then second, and now everybody's really getting to know your name because you win that Scottsdale and everybody's like, okay, well, what's he going to do next? And to be right there in contention coming down the stretch, 16, you're three back, you eagle the par five, train like a 30 footer, get with them one, you birdie the last to tie the clubhouse lead. Unfortunately, one guy came in one shot better, but you know, how do you ride this momentum going forward? You know, I think it's just a belief. I think, uh, you know, having gotten it done at the Scottsdale Open against all the top players, you know, a bunch of top players in the world, you know, that was something that, you know, especially playing with Joel and seeing how his game was, it was something where I was able to see a guy like that. That was my first time playing with a highly ranked PG Tour player. Um, and just be able to see what he does and then seeing that, hey, my game's not that different. It almost did, playing with him almost did more than getting the win. Um you know, obviously, a final round 62 gives me a lot of confidence. Um, but, you know, it's it's something where just seeing those guys play and seeing that it's not as different as, you know, I thought it was, you know, that's definitely, it. it it's showing me that, you know, all the work I've been putting in has been paying off. 
Yeah. And uh, I hate to bring this up. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's announced today that the McKenzie tour was suspended for the rest of the year, but you have status, which will carry into next year. And now that you have these couple months where, you know, you're planning to go to Canada and now you're not anymore. How do you still stay in that, that competition mode and grind and prepare yourself for that for next year? It's a tough question. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing I've ever done before. It's unfortunate that, you know, everything was canceled. You know, I would have liked to, to get up there and get some experience on a tour. Um, you know, like, you know, we had said, you know, the only time I've ever played three, three weeks in a row was this past summer um, with the Pac Coast Western Am Arizona Open. Um, and that's something where it's hard to prepare for because I've never been up there and gone through it. Um, what's great is I have been able to play with a bunch of different uh, McKenzie Tour, Latin America Tour, uh, Corn Fairy Tour guys in these outlaw events, and I pick their brain every time I play with them at least the guys who have been up there and, and had some experience. Not sure what I'm going to do this summer yet. I mean, that's obviously big news that it was, you know, canceled for this season. Um, but, you know, I know that I will have status for next season. Um, so, you know, I think this summer and fall uh, might be a time to make any change that I need, you know, any change that needs to happen, um, big or small you know, just to better prepare and, and be a better professional. Now that you're out here in Arizona where it's really hot and, you know, there's a bunch of professional golfers, you know, give us a look inside what your grind schedule looks like or a daily, daily schedule for you in pro golf. Yeah. Come summer, it's, uh, <laughs> you better be ready to wake up early out here. Um, you know, a lot of times I'm up, you know, by five, five thirty, and out to the course, you know, as early as, as I can, um, and then I'm done, you know, practicing by, you know, 10 or 11. Um, and it's like, what am I going to do the rest of the day? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to get up early out here and come summertime. Um, you know, I definitely didn't play as much, you know, last summer when I moved out here. Um, you know, this summer will be a little different with now having access to TPC Scottsdale. The amount of time I put in is a little bit more than college. Um, but, you know, I like to get in, get out, uh, I put the headphones in. I'm not somebody who's social when I'm practicing. I'm there to do my work and leave. You know, social time is for after. Um, I like to play with a group when I play. Um, you know, sometimes I'm out there playing by myself just to be able to kind of get in that tournament routine of, uh, you know, playing my own game. It's not social time, you know, anything like that. Um, don't get me wrong. still like to have fun with the boys out there. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's the biggest change has been, you know, with putting, different practice routines, um, not necessarily from a mechanic standpoint. Um, you know, I think as I've come into pro golf, I've seen that, you know, mechanics aren't everything. You know, you see a lot of different swings on tour um, or what appear to be different swings um, just by the way they use their body and things. But, you know, you start to see similarities, um, but, you know, every guy out there, is great at chipping and putting. And, you know, I think the most volatile part of my game is putting. Um, you know, I find the best rounds are usually good putting rounds and they're not so good at the putter's not working. Um, you know, so that's something where, you know, I've known that for a couple of years now that that's kind of my biggest variable. Um, and so putting a lot of time into 
you know, the practice routine and finding out, you know, hey, how do I line the putter up best? What am I paying attention to? You know, just those sorts of things I've, I've found have been the biggest factor in me, you know, helping my game get better. Cool. All right. For all the golfers out there, regardless of skill level, if they don't have as much time to practice, you know, as we experienced going into college where you have less time to practice or for the average person out there that has a job, you know, without having that time to practice, how would you, what was the one tip that you could say that would help them play their best golf? You know, I think when people go out and practice, I, th- I think, you know, I did it. I know I did it, but, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, especially come chipping, you know, practice or whatever, you know, you always want to hit the high flop shots or you practice the short-sided shots and all those. And it's like when, you know, you really see some of the best players in the world, you know, even Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods from some of those super short-sided spots, they only get up and down, you know, three or four out of ten times. But you look at them from all the basic shots, basic wedge shots out of the fairway, um, you know, the easy chips with lots of green to work with, the putts inside of 10 feet, you know, all the basic shots, they have those all dialed in. They're the best at the basic shots. Um, you know, obviously it's fun to practice those, you know, the full, full swing flop and, you know, the crazy breaking putts. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, if I could do it over again through college, um, I would have spent more time just getting good at the basic shots. Um, you know, I mean, the, your swing can change, you know, maybe not week to week, but, you know, month to month. You know, you can hit the ball well one month and then not well the next. But if you have a shot like a basic wedge shot, you know, 100 yards and in, you should that's something that shouldn't change very often. You know, I added in knockdown wedges into my game. I don't take full swings with wedges ever. Um, you know, unless it's front pin downwind, I need the spin, you know, that's the exception, but, um, you know, it's just keeping the ball in play, you know, off the tee, whatever that means, whether it's an iron driver and then just giving myself a shot up to the green and relying on the basic chips, basic putts, you know, just keeping it simple. For sure. Well, I know I'm looking forward to your career. I know everybody else is, especially after this past month or two where your game's just firing off. Also, 62 course record at Sunridge Canyon last weekend. We had a big boys trip uh, all played together, just casual 62. No big deal. (laughs) So um, I'm really excited going forward. And, um, yeah, we'll see you next year on the McKenzie Tour once sports get to getting back up, ramped up, and – PJ tour bound I'm sure so um I want to thank you for not only coming on but just all of our years of friendship and just you know being a mentor to me and all of our teammates just through your actions so I want to thank you for that thank you for coming on and uh thank everybody for listening and uh we'll see you guys next time yeah thanks for having right. me thank you if you enjoyed today's episode please don't forget to like subscribe check out our social media pages at the course record or visit our website, thecoursrecord.com. I would love to hear your feedback about who you want to hear from next and what topics you are most interested in learning about. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again.